Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by Rob Blanchett. We are back. Sorry, we missed a show last week. Uh, we'll get into it in a bit, but we are back to talk about Manchester United. I was going to call it a circus, but it's not really, Rob, is it? Because I think that they're showing that they still are quite fallible on occasion, but then also they are they have this bounce back ability, which I, I hate that I just use that word, but they, they do respond to adversity, don't they? They do. That sounds very Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, doesn't it? That's the kind yeah, of thing sorry. Ole would have said sorry. to us in a presser, saying, that, oh, my team's got bounce-back ability, and we'd have all gone blah, 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 blah. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think the thing is with United, and we're seeing this, is that when they are faced with adversity, that they kind of start to find a way. But, you know, we're going to talk today, I think, on the show about the run-in and where United are going, but also one kind of eye on the future, because I think we still can see, can't we, where the holes are. So even when you get a good performance, there's something you can kind of dial it back to reality. But I think there's more positive things than negative at the moment. I think they've got over that little hump where they obviously got smashed at Anfield. And then I think the Newcastle defeat was obviously massively disappointing. But they're, they're better at that. They're better at not being too much of a circus. And maybe that's because they've got the ringmaster there, in turn, Eric Ten Hag. Yes, indeed. We have not recorded since uh, prior to the first leg of the Sevilla Europa League game. Now, just to run back to that, they should have been out of sight. And then two miraculous own goals uh, caused a 2-2, well, a 2-2 result. United kind of uh, lost their heads a little bit in the closing stages of that game. But they do have the return leg later this week, which we'll talk about later in the show. And United obviously responded at Nottingham Forest the other day with a a good performance, although Nottingham Forest are tragic in their own sense. So how much do you read into that? There's plenty of injuries we haven't discussed yet on this show. We know that obviously injuries have been a problem for United, but we've just had some new ones over the last few days, last week or so. So some new problems. Had some players returning from injury as well. Christian Eriksen, Casemiro coming back from suspension, which is a big plus. So it's a bit of a mixed bag. 
Rob and I will talk about all of that today. We'll talk about... Uh, I'm, call- I'm not calling him Christian Eriksen. I'm calling him Bearded Eriksen. That is my name for him uh, because I think we are looking at a completely different version of this player. Uh, we'll talk about Bruno Fernandes. We'll talk uh, the centre of defence, the injuries, all of these problems that might need to be addressed in the longer term. We'll talk some potential returns from injury and we'll look ahead a little bit to the Sevilla game uh, in the Europa League. Rob, just a question for you, actually. Where does the Europa League rank in your priority list? Because... I I would put top four or third place first, but I really want to win the Europa League. I really, really do. Yeah, I get asked these things every season kind of for like, you know, where's the list of priorities? And for me, it doesn't always change massively. So where we are at the moment, Scott, I'm kind of with you. For me, top four is the priority. You've got your little tin pot silverware thingy that you can celebrate. Well done. You went to Wembley, you won it. You've got a league cup. That's the kind of box tick for first trophy, first year for Ten Hag, isn't it? There's no doubt that when you look at the cup competitions, there is an opportunity for Man United to go and win these. But the severe game kind of showed that there's still going to be plenty of bumps in the road and ups and downs. So for me, it's just top four. That is the priority. And everything else is a bonus. You know, if you, if you carry on and you've done well in all these cup competitions already, I think where you've got to in the quarters and obviously in the semis with the FA Cup, so that shows that you're moving in the right direction in terms of winning. That's where that trend is moving towards. Do I really want to win them? I'm not going to say that. No, I don't really want to win them. I really want top four. So to me, if we get fourth now, I pack my bag up for the summer, I go into transfer mode, and we start talking about next year, and I feel good about that. Do you know what I mean? We can actually be have positivity moving through this summer, unfortunately, and like former Man United summers where it's been completely negative about will they spend money? Yes, they've spent money. Oh, they just bought Anthony for 90 million out of nowhere. That that's kind of the way it's been, isn't it? The narrative. So it would be so nice, I think, to get into the off-season and feel that United did that big objective, which I think is performing week in, week out in the Premier League. There is, of course, the wider context of the ownership uncertainty, which we're not really going to discuss today because it's been going on for far too long. And to be honest, it is a lot of speculation. Oh, the Glazers want to stay, but how in the hell are they going to raise minority investment, buy the four, the other four Glazers out and, and raise all the money that is necessary to rebuild Old Trafford or remodel Old Trafford and the training ground and the debt yeah. and all of this kind of thing? You know, uh, we'll wait until something relatively final develops to talk about, unless you want to say something now, Rob. No, I think it's interesting that we that people are not talking about the kind of Glazer civil war going on within their family, because I think that dictates a lot of this about where we move as a football club next, because whether they do, whether they don't, it's kind of like pointless, isn't it? It's like there needs to be a big bid that they want and that the whole family authorise, and that's it. And the two Glazer brothers of course, as well, have got their own agenda. So there's too much politics in it at the moment, Scott. And we kind of need to, as you said, let it burn away a little bit. And then we can kind of put our little spin on it. It's like an episode of Succession. Don't know if you watch that, Rob. Do you watch that? I don't don't watch it, but I I know what it's about. And yes, I can see how Manchester United fit into that. (laughs) Uh, WWE also fits into that with their ownership, this kind of thing. Uh, Anyway, uh, if you don't watch Succession, you should. uh, Why am I plugging a TV show? I just really enjoy it. Uh, Let us know in the comments if you have any questions for us. Uh, We will dig into those in future shows in the YouTube comments. Uh, get in touch with us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise and MU for the show. We run we run twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays for this show. 
on YouTube and all your major audio platforms. So like, subscribe, leave a comment for us, as I just said. Maybe next week we'll make up for the show that we missed uh, last week as uh, games are coming thick and fast for United at the moment. But let's let's move to the agenda. Bearded Erickson is the puppet master, is a mixture of my notes and your notes, because I know you wanted to talk about how Christian Erickson is now back in the fold. He was not meant to play against Nottingham Forest. Marcel Sabitzer's injury as a precaution uh, meant he came out of the team. Christian Eriksen came back in, was the deeper line midfielder. Bruno Fernandes pushed forward, was the man of the match. Excellent performance from Bruno, excellent performance from Eriksen. And I will temper this with, it was not in a forest and they do allow you to play. But it's nice to see Christian Eriksen back in the mix. It's nice to see Man United's first choice midfield back together. Yeah, Christian Eriksen in many ways is like the Manchester United comfort blanket. That's how I look at him. So when he's on the football pitch, you just kind of feel a little bit better, don't you? It's like, and you've been waiting for that. When that that horrible tackle came from Andy Carroll and knocked him out for a few months, I think United's form and the slide towards maybe being lesser started at that moment there. You know, I know we've had Casemiro suspensions galore and all of this, but I do think that Ericsson is your primary ball player. And I think you saw at Forest, as you said, Forest let you play, Forest are not very good. So you have to kind of add that caveat in. But Ericsson, to me, just in terms of his control of the game, his vision, how he makes up extra men over there, how he brings people into the game and dictates stuff. I told you off camera, I call him like the puppet master. I kind of see him above the game, controlling absolutely everything. I love it. And, and I think it also shows, I think, what the manager wants in the years ahead. He wants players who can do that, control the football match in the same way that Pep does. There's not really a lot of difference in that. You want players who can control football matches. So great to have Ericsson back. And, and I think the big, big point with Ericsson and Forrest is that Ericsson makes Bruno Fernandes so much better. Bruno Fernandes gets so much space, so much more time, more connectivity between those midfielders. And I think we saw maybe one of Bruno's best games of the season at Forest, just in terms of his output. So long may that continue. Ironically, we would not have seen it unless Sabitzer got injured. So, like, you know, we had Ericsson on the bench, and I think Sabitzer would, would have started. Would you not like to head. say that Bruno in that deeper role has been quite good, though? Bruno has been good in that deeper role. There's no doubt about it. I, I think with Bruno, it is a, it's always a sliding scale of variables. So, like, you know, he's good at certain things, really good at certain things. At other things, he's more average. So, if he's in a position where he's doing the average stuff, guess what? He's not going to be as good as what we want him to be. I think when he's in the final third, Scott, or at least ahead of the midfield, maybe in that little pocket, that's where Bruno dances. That's where he does his best work on the dance floor. So give him that opportunity to, to go and help you win football matches, especially at this point now we've lost Marcus. You need your big players to step up. Bruno Fernandes is happier as the 10, Scott, or at least as an advanced eight. He's not that happy as a 6-8 or coming deep 70 yards from goal. It's not what he likes do, to do. Do you think, though, that he has shown a bit more restraint and more control in that position? And it might end up benefiting United in the long term that he's had that run there and maybe understood the importance of keeping possession rather than Hollywood passes here, there and everywhere. Completely. So, again, with this as it unfolds under Ten Hag and what the manager expects... I think in the first half of the season, United were all very high octane, playing the counter press, you know, being being kind of like Solskjaer, but but 
but on a higher level, like, you know, we, we're counter-pressing, counter-attacking teams. We're scoring goals that way. And obviously, Marcus being the main beneficiary of that, especially Martial out. And I think we've ended up with doing Bruno's. Bruno's ended up becoming like a, a versatile midfielder that you've had to use in other places. And I understand that. But I just don't like it. I just don't think that's what he does best. And I think when he is deeper, if he loses the ball, Scott, 20 yards in front of his box, you're in big trouble. If he loses the ball 20 yards in front of the other opposition box, you're all right. So, like, this is where it goes, you see. I think with, with Bruno, he's definitely been more disciplined playing a deeper role, and he's had to be, because I don't think you could play him otherwise. If you're not playing him as the 10, he's got to give you value in the six, certainly more value than Scott McTominay or Fred on the ball. And and I think that's where it goes with, with Bruno. He has to be more disciplined, and he has to understand that. And I think he does. I think he gets that. He doesn't want to be the guy that we talk about as we come away from football matches and say, well, Bruno gave the ball away 20% of the time. He wants to be a guy that's celebrated, isn't it? Wherever he plays. Leave your comments. I know that, uh, Rob, you can, <laughs> yeah, some, some comments coming in is like, Rob, give Bruno some credit. Give I Bruno know. Some credit. I, 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 I'm trying I love, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I love Bruno. Look, like, I love Bruno when Bruno's being Bruno. Like I want Bruno to be at the top end of the pitch, being your goals and your assists and getting in that box. And, but, Obviously, that starts with Ten Hag. Ten Hag's got to facilitate that and give him the opportunity to move forward. And I totally agree with you. I think he has been disciplined in a deeper role, which is why we're celebrating that he's playing better in those roles. But do I want to see him carry on there? No. Why? Because Ericsson is better at it, like a million times better at it. And people go, oh, there's not a lot of difference between the two. My eye kind of catches that and says, yeah, I think there is. And I think then you can kind of work around it. Once Bruno can play higher up the pitch, he's closer to Martial. He'll be close to Rashford. He'll be close to Jaden. He'll be close to Anthony. Guess what? He might win more football matches. So, Rob, quick question about the midfield before we move on. Um, we've obviously seen Bruno play this deeper role. We've seen Casemiro is back. I know we've had discussions about what kind of midfield the United need if Casemiro isn't there because he's been not been there for a long time due to suspension. We've seen Christian Eriksen miss a lot of time. Marcel Sabitzer is obviously there. I know he he was injured uh, for the weekend game. Small injury, but he's brought something else to the table. Bayern Munich don't want a lot of money for him. And United, there is some interest there in potentially making this permanent. What do you think United need to do in the summer in this position? Because should they end up bringing Sabitzer in permanently? What kind of profile do you think that they need? Obviously, I think the takeover and all this, like how much money United are going to have in their budget is really dependent on this and how many players they end up buying. But what's more important for you at the moment? Do you think a Frankie de Jong or a Ryan Gravenberg or somebody who is more disciplined like Casemiro? Which kind of profile of midfielder, given what you've seen recently, is mm. most important to sign first? I still think United's overriding weakness in midfield when you kind of look at the collective is ball playing and creativity. So it's great that you've got a Bruno who's on the edge of the box, great metrics in terms of creation. We know that Ericsson plays a more disciplined role at Man United than say he ever has in previous football clubs. So you think about what he was at Tottenham Hotspur. He was nothing like this, was he? He was a creator and he's actually, his metrics even this year, I think nine assists he's got when he's missed such a chunk of the season. So I think that's what I would be targeting, a kind of a, a mix of the two. And, and this is the thing, Scott, it's, it's, it's a little bit of both, isn't it? Because you've seen how exposed you are when you haven't got Casemiro in terms of a defensive function and someone that can mop up and clean up in front of a defence. But I think you've also seen that 
that how brittle United can become in football matches when the creation isn't quite right or when you've got a combination of three midfielders that don't quite fit with each other. So you mentioned Frankie. Yes, Frankie would be lovely. I'm not going to think about Frankie de Jong until Barcelona do once again what they did last year and put out loads of feelers saying they want to sell him. So until that happens again, we can kind of, I think, be calm on that. Gravenberch said there's a player that the manager knows really, really well. I think he's a he's a good pickup. But I think when you look at Sabitzer, he's almost perfect to the profile of player that you want. Someone who can play the eight and the ten. Not a lot of fuss when changing between those two things. Give you a little bit of value from deeper as well. So like he can kind of do the whole box-to-box function. And I think that is the key. It's about players who can do the box-to-box stuff without letting it go. So unfortunately, I don't include Fred in that. Sorry, Fred. Decent season, better form over the last year or two. Not going to take you to the top two or three in the division. I don't think he is. Scott will probably leave the football club. We know this. Scott McTominay's got suitors in Newcastle. So that gives you an opportunity, doesn't it, to go and buy a profile player that does that box-to-box. Ideally, who would I want? We've talked about him in the past. People will be split on this completely. Go get Declan Rice. So Declan Rice, there are suitors for him. Obviously, top clubs will want him. West Ham are not very good at the moment. This is your opportunity to maybe tempt him away. Uh, and I think that he is the the kind of player, isn't it? He can do the six, can do all that deeper stuff, good engine, works hard, but in a certain system, is really good at driving the ball as well. Yeah, he can kind of do that 8-10 function if you need it. He's the kind of player. He will cost you a premium because he's English. I don't care. Go and buy him. There's other players as well, Scott, and we'll do that loads in weeks ahead. I don't know. What do you think, Scott? What do you think the midfield should do? Um, I forgot about him, actually. I, you know, <laughs> I, you know that, Rob, as long as we've been doing this podcast, I've been saying Declan Rice, Declan Rice, Declan Rice. Yeah. Um, I do think in this summer now, his price, West Ham, because they've had such a bad season, I don't think West Ham are in a position, really, Just where like they that. can stay. Because yeah. Rice hasn't played that well this season either. And no. he he is that kind of player who can be molded into the holding player that Casemiro is. I think I think he's got it in him. Mm-hmm. He can also play that transitional role, ball carrying forward. You've got other players in there who can pass the ball. I'm sure his progressive passing can improve under well with the right conditions and the right players and under the right coach. To me, I think that's the right call. Yeah, look, when, when he was younger, I really wasn't very complimentary towards Declan Rice, especially when I think West Ham were bobbing up and down one year, they'd be sixth, the next year they'd be 16th. So this year they've had a bad season, haven't they? And that means his value will be impacted. I kind of used to not insult him, but I would say that he was kind of a lighter version of Scott McTominay. Say, well, you know, he's a player who's young, but can run around a bit. Is he that technical? And I think when, I, when West Ham had that good year last year, wasn't it? I looked at his game and really studied it. And I was like, actually, there's a lot of upside to what he does. And, you know, be very useful at Manchester United. And I think it's, again, it's leadership as well. Like I want players to come into the football club that have got leadership brains and think, no, actually, my performance matters every week. And I still don't think we quite get that, Man United. I still think there are times, you know, we mentioned Sevilla, didn't we? Sevilla, first 30 minutes, Man United, brilliant, passable, beautifully. You get a lead. You should walk that game. Second half. The leadership just starts to ebb away. People lose concentration. Oh, you don't win. And that's been a story of Manchester United for quite a long time. So I want players who 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 change that. Maybe Frankie doesn't give you that. Frankie would mm-hmm. give you technicality. I'm not sure Frankie de Jong is a bit of a leader. I think he can go missing at times. 
But I think Declan Rice is a leader, and I think Declan Rice would come to Manchester United and see the opportunity to to take it to the next stage of his career. All the top six are going to want him, Scott. Everyone will want him, and I think he's got a big marketplace to look at, and Man United would have to fight if they wanted him. That That is true, yeah. I know that Newcastle, Manchester City, Liverpool, Arsenal, Chelsea perhaps more out of the picture now, given how bad a season they've had. Mm-hmm. But obviously, he, he was at Chelsea's academy. Yeah, Chelsea have wanted him historically as well. They do spend a hell of a lot of money. But I do think United, uh, if they made Rice top target, I think they'd have a pretty solid chance of getting him. Yeah. Uh, anyway, now let's move on to the defense because mm-hmm. there's going to be a similar question here, probably yeah. uh, towards the end of this section. Injuries. Lisandro mm-hmm. Martinez out for the rest of the season. Fifth Met Tarsal had surgery. What a massive blow that is. Absolutely massive blow. Uh, we all know we've spoken all season about how much Leacher has brought to the Man United team, let alone the defense. We know what he can do. Rafa Varane injured as well. We've seen this before. Uh, we'll talk about the central defensive issues in a second. But for the immediate term, Harry Maguire and Victor Lindelof, I think we might end up seeing Luke Shaw at centre-back at some point when he's fit. Maybe even as soon as this weekend. Yeah, Maybe. Uh, I think it'll be Maguire or Lindelof plus Shaw, to be honest, because we've seen Shaw fill in for at left centre-back this season when Martinez was obviously away after the World Cup, this kind of thing. I think that's what Ten Hag will do. But there is only... Harry Maguire, even, is suspended, I believe, for the Brighton game in he the is. FA Cup. Yeah. So... United are going to have to get creative. They don't have loads of options in no. this position. Maybe Casemiro can drop in there if they're really struggling for numbers. But again, you don't want to do that. Maguire and Lindelof for the rest of the season. How do you feel? Uh, I don't feel particularly good about that. Um, isn't that a surprise? But I don't think that will be what we see. I don't think it'll be Maguire and Lindelof. I agree with what you're saying now. I think we've seen already this season that Luke Shaw will play left centre-back. I think that's what it is. Uh, the manager spoke about Maguire and Lindelof uh, in depth after the last game and kind of said why he chose certain things and certain elements. And one of the things I thought was the most interesting one was why he said Harry Maguire does not play on the left. I knew you'd so, say that. So, I, yes. I too, yeah. So, I thought it was really interesting. So, Harry Maguire um, obviously spent most of his career playing left-sided centre-back as a right-sided, right-footed player. And the manager said... The reason why I don't play him there is that the angles are not right for Harry. So when Harry's got the ball at his feet, it doesn't work for me. And that's why Lindelof is better there because Lindelof's he, better he with He essentially both said Harry Maguire's left foot, left foot is bad. Is, 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 is a chocolate bar, basically, yes. is what he said, wasn't it? And, and I think the, f- the funny thing is, is that we all know that when Harry gets that ball, the out ball to Luke Shaw, when Luke Shaw plays left back, always comes with him walking around the ball. Yeah, he walks around the ball and plays it with his right foot. And that takes an extra split second, Scott. And that's all the difference an opposition team needs to read you. So and it's also I think... the way that the ball rolls. If he's passing with his right foot, it's curving outwards towards the touchline. Whereas if it's with the left foot, it's going up the touchline. Absolutely. Or he like, he, you know, like most footballers, he might be able to use the outside of his right foot. That, that's an, a solution there. But the, the point is that whatever Harry Maguire wants to do up here, it involves walking around the ball. And he shouldn't really do that. It's technically not particularly good, is it? So it doesn't matter that you're one-footed. Most footballers are one-footed. You get other players who are two-footed. But I think when you look at the spectrum of what Ten Hag wants to do tactically, it's going to be Luke Shaw. It's Luke Shaw plus one. That's it. And, and that will be it. And I think it will probably be Lindelof. I think Lindelof is the preferred option because he is two-footed. 
And and let's look at it with Harry Maguire. Like you know, you look at the uh, the severe blow up at Old Trafford. Malassia on the left, I don't think is pickable. Again, I've kept said that for many months. I think it's a problem. He can play minutes, but as your starter, I think he'll cost you games. That severe one. The goal is awful, Scott. The ball on the inside, he doesn't read it, doesn't look, and then he gets a deflection. It goes in the net. But then Harry Maguire's own goal, which is obviously more comical than anything else. Again, it kind of just shows his lack of mobility in there. Like, get out of the way of the balls, uh, Harry. That's just all you had to do. So, like, you basically drew that game because of two individual errors. It's a stretch from Maguire. I'm not trying to blame him or anything. But two two moments of just silliness, really. And then suddenly you're not favourites to win the game anymore. You know, you're going to Sevilla, you've got to do something different. So I think that's where the back four will get picked. I don't think we'll see Casemiro dropping deeper unless we see another injury, say, to mm-hmm. Lindelof or Maguire. But I don't also think we will see Lindelof and Maguire as the as the partnership all the way through to the se- end of the season. I think it will be Luke Shaw running the defence, unfortunately, from centre-back. Because I think he's much better at left-back. We saw Delow have a good performance in his one out in as a left-back. I get the feeling he'll be the guy playing left back, and you'll and you'll see Aaron Wan-Bissaka at the right. It's like Wan-Bissaka. I think we've had this conversation. We know that he's really improved since the turn of the year. Yeah, uh, it's important to remember that Diogo Dalo coming in could play both sides. Yeah, he played he played at his old club on the left. Yeah. That was part of the appeal for him. He could play at left back as well. Obviously, yeah. got his first goal in the Premier League against Nottingham Forest from that position. Does give you that inside run, which is kind of where. You know, this goal came from connected well with Anthony for that goal against Forest. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe that's your two positions. Maybe Malassia will come in and out if he's fit. Uh, but like you say, Rob, I think that goal, that switch off in the in the Seville game was a big deal, you know? Big time. I, 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 I like Malassia in terms of a development project. I don't like Malassia as a starter, you know? And, and I think the thing is with him is that when he came to United, when, again, we've talked about this a lot, you know, we saw the creativity of what he was doing at his football club and he was inverting and kind of doing that stuff. We've seen none of that at Man United. He's always fighting fires. He's always chasing people. And in the Premier League, that ain't ain't great look. You've got to be able to cover and know what you're doing. And I, I think for him, this season has been a learning experience. And we've seen pretty quickly that, that he's just not at the standard yet. I'm not saying in future he won't be, but you can see he's got a lot of learning to do. And if you carry out the rest of the season, Scott, with, I think, Malassia at left back, you're not going to win one of these existing trophies. It's not, not going to happen. You're going to get done on that side because teams are going to highlight it. They're going to say, right, we'll take you on. On the opposite side of wan it feels like the opposite now. I think clubs are looking at him and going, he's a danger now. He's inverting. He's going up the pitch. He's getting in the box. He should have had a tap in the other week where he got into the cent- mm. uh, to the penalty, uh, um, a penalty spot. That's great. They're all the things you want to celebrate the game to game. But with Malassia, it's the opposite. So it's a balancing act. I think with Delow, you just said they're playing both sides. I think the fact that he can invert on that side and you get uh, Anthony inverting from the right, there's this natural shape that emerges. You can overload midfield without really changing things too much because you're giving these instructions out. Delow can give you a lot of value on the left. I don't want to see Delow start on the right. I don't think he's been anywhere near as good as wan So I think Aaron gets that tick. But I think Delow gives you an option short-term as, as a left-back. We've discussed, or I think we said before we started recording, that I've said this a few times, as in me, I've said this a few times on this pod already. Um, so I'm going to take some credit. United need another centre-back because Rafa Varane is, as mu- as good as he is, cannot do it at the intensity that United are going to be required to play at 
the amount of games that United are going to be required to play at with Victor Lindelof and less Victor Lindelof and Harry Maguire drastically improve, which I don't see, I don't think is coming unless one of them directly massively improves and offers everything that Eric Ten Hag wants in a right centre-back. I don't think that this is the long-term answer, what we've got at the moment. So I think United are going to have to address this in the summer, to be honest. I, I look at someone like, I, I know that Yuri and Timber is short, and I know that the criticism that Lisandro Martinez has had for how tall he is, to be honest, I don't really think having another five foot nine, five foot ten centre-back alongside Lisandro Martinez is a good idea. However, we've seen that that works. There are other players, other centre-backs who can maybe offer you that quality on the ball that you require with the, the height and the aerial presence to go with it. I think, to be honest, Rafa Varane's latest injury has meant that that importance for right centre-back, somebody who can come in, doesn't have to necessarily be first choice all the time. Somebody. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details quite young that you can mold and work around Rafa Varane maybe a bit younger than Martinez maybe needs that jumping experience but has the required talent and all the attributes to kind of fill in that role and be his long-term replacement I think that's a really important summer buy totally and I think if you're a successful football club you're going to play around 70 75 games a season yeah as a collective as a squad Rafa Varane cannot play the majority of those games he can give you something but the boy is made of glass. And we know we knew this before, and we know it now, and we've seen it, haven't we, for his whole kind of tenure at Manchester United, we've seen that he gets injured. So it is something you do need to address. I do look at it this way. I think Harry Maguire will be moved out of the football club. There's no doubt about that. I think United are looking for takers, and they'll look for a decent fee, but obviously they'll get nothing like they paid for him. I don't think that's too much of an issue. I think then the question becomes about Lindelof. Do you keep Lindelof because he is relatively two-footed? He is a ball player, but he is slow. He's also not the tallest. Or do you trade him out of the game and bring in someone like Timber? And then you've got Martinez, Timber and Varane. And then you can work with that. Then you've also got Luke Shaw. Timber can also do right back as well. And I was just about to say, Timber is a versatile player, so he can play right back. So in these moments, we talk about who are your right backs, who are your left backs. You know, we talk about positions all the time. 
he gives you extra stop per position, doesn't he? He gives you two positions. So I don't think that Timber will come at a huge cost, not certainly more than what maybe he was touted at 12 months ago. I think that I think he'd want to come to Man United from what we hear as well, and he's ready for that move. And I think it's an easy move for Ten Hag without going into some dramatic long-haul chase of a centre-back. So we know that someone like Vardiol might be on the market, but we know he's left-sided and doesn't really fit what you want. He'd probably go to Chelsea or somewhere like that at the moment, or maybe even Liverpool. It depends what you need. And I think that, that Timber just is the easy option. Go get Timber, and then you've got that coverage at centre-back. The, the issue is as well, I don't know whether you... Well, I think we discussed this, Rob, on the podcast previously. We also know... We know Harry Maguire's got interest, but Victor Lindelof on Sweden duty did say, I want to play publicly. And, and that's that why I think he might go. Yeah, He might go. And whether that yeah. ends up, will United sell both of them? I'm not sure, but might be sensible if they can. And if they're efficient, more efficient in the transfer market and replace them with, I don't know, they might still need two centre-backs, but then that's asking a lot in terms of incomings and a lot of business. So I, I don't know whether that's realistic, but what do you think we see there? Yeah, look, I think if you could collect the best part of 50 million for those two centre-backs somewhere in, in that figure, in that ballpark, you do it, you pull the trigger. Because it's not that you've used them or not used them this season. Like We know you get injuries, so players will get minutes. And the, and the manager keeps banging on about that, doesn't he? Players need to be ready, my players need to be ready, they know this, they know this. But the truth is, you just don't want them to play. That's the truth. You don't want Maguire in your team because he makes you worse. I think Lindelof has shown that he can kind of do Ten Hag things, so there's some value there. But I don't feel good about saying Lindelof being your third centre-back in that in that collection that we just talked about with Ferran and Martinez, I don't think that pushes the pushes you forward either. So uh, I, you're right. Lindelof said that in in um in the classic international break. It's, uh, it's, it's the, uh, he did the Paul Pogba thing, didn't he? Yeah. If, if every international break with France, it was well, well, we'll we'll see. The future you never know. It's, only, it's God always, <laughs> only God knows. Only God knows. Only God knows if Sweden are going to win this week, and only God knows if I'll be playing football at Manchester United. So I, look, I, I think with Lindelof is that uh, when he got his contract last time round, he was given a pretty big contract for what he is and what he does. And I think United would be very happy to get rid of that contract. You know, someone that, that really sits on the sideline most weeks and is not your first choice. So that's where, if you think about it, you get best part of 50 million for those two and you pay best part of 50 million or more a little bit for Timber. Tick box, done. You know, you've then got a, a collection of centre-backs that you're much happier at having. I think it's much more important, Scott, rather than we talk about inches up here, how tall someone is, is about what they do on the deck. That's always going to be, for me, the most important thing. That's why Martinez, I was high on him when we signed him. I was like, you need someone to play ball progression from the back. And that is what your game is. It needs to develop that way. Timber can give you that. We know Varane can give you that. We know Luke Shaw can give you that. So that's four players, yeah, who might not be six foot four. But I do think the modern centre-back is getting shorter. Just what it is. They're getting more technical. They play out from the back. You get Rio. Like I heard Rio go, oh, defending's a lost art. I don't believe that either. I don't think defending is a lost art. It's just that the game has changed. So you must play out from the back. That's how you help David De Gea, isn't it? If De Gea stays, you don't buy a, def- a kind of ball-playing goalkeeper, then he needs ball players in front of him to give the ball to so they can get the ball and move it forward. So Timber for me, easy choice. There might be others pop up on the market. I think we talked about Kim as well. You know, he's a player that potentially, if he becomes here as first choice. Either. With Kim, like, I know, I, I'm not going to say don't sign him. 
But Kim is a player who would come in and expect to play every single game because of the age and the price that he will come with. And, and you might have to go, Scott, like depending on whether like, where you want to play Kim, like right or left or whatever is the starter, you might have to say to Rafa Varane, you're on the bench now. I'm sorry. We, lo- we love you. We think you're great. You're a leader. But in, until you can have sustained bits of fitness, then, then we can't really run with you. And I think that's it. So I think with Varane is that you're going to have to, in the next 12 months and beyond, you have to have a rotational policy for that player. He just gets injured too often. We know Martinez, his foot blowing up. That is an impact injury at the end of the season. Like, puts his foot down, metatarsal bone explodes. It happens every year for every football club where someone has a bad metatarsal injury. Just thank God that it wasn't an Achilles. So he'll be back in six to eight weeks. So I, I think you do have to look at your defensive stock and then add to it sympathetically. I believe Rafa Varane is contracted until... Oh, 2025 with an option, yeah. I believe. So it's, yeah, yeah. there's still a long time left. He's only 29 years old. Yeah, I'm not talking you about know? getting rid of him. Like, like yeah. it's, just, it's, just, it's like the same age as Phil Jones. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's kind of like, you know, it, 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 they, they are players that get injured and you have to have a rotational policy for them. But unfortunately this year, we've not been able to do that. We just haven't had the, a good enough squad. And now we're hitting a time of the year where all that pressing you've done, all those games, all those months, is coming back to bite you. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have pressed back then, Scott. It just means you need more players in your rotation that can do it. You're going to have to get rid of the Donny van der Bakes, yeah, and, you, and maybe the Axel Two and Zabies. And, and the then, Phil Jones. <laughs> and then the Phil Joneses of, of, the wage book, uh, of the wage books, and then and then maybe a, a higher grade, like the likes of Maguire and maybe even Lindelof. And once you've done that, and it's not a clear out, it means that you can just go and buy players that, that are useful for you. So I think that's it with Varane. Every time Varane's on a pitch, he's useful, Scott. When he's not on a pitch, he's not useful. So that's the balance. If we can keep him fit and he plays less games, what an option to have off the bench as someone like mm-hmm. Varane. And I think he'd understand that. I don't think he, he'd want to play games. I think he also understands to look after his body. He might need to play less games. Plenty of injury issues for United to worry about. Phil Jones out of contract. He was—he's not getting his contract extended, is he? I think I saw uh, suggestions the other day that Phil Jones uh, injured himself in a training session, same injury <laughs> as before, and he's been on this contract since what 2019, I think. So there's yeah. four years. There's an option in this deal to extend it. I think yeah. finally, in just a few short months, Phil Jones's stay at Man United will will end, and he's on a decent wedge as well. Yeah, look, he's, he's he's not registered in any competition. So, like, even when we've got injuries now, people go, oh, Phil Jones will be back. No, he's not. He can't play him. He's not registered. So, like, he's a Man United player, but you can't really use him. So, yeah, he's injured again, and that's not a surprise. And and, and I just think, you you know, you've come to a natural end with with uh, Phil Jones in terms of expiry. Yeah, you should have done it years ago and been smart. But, again, that's the story of the Glazers' recruitment and retention, isn't it? Is that they've not been very good at those things, giving people big contracts that can't help you. So I think, that again, that you, you lose Jones's wage off the bill and then you add it to Maguire's and you maybe add it to Lindelof. You'll be fine with adding a, a really good centre-back that helps you out. Timber is just the obvious choice. I'm going to jump forward to the attack Garnacho posted yes. Alejandro Garnacho posted a picture on his uh, on his socials on Monday of him in boots again. We know yeah. how the world was sent wild when Christian Eriksen did it. Uh, I think as it stands, I know Rob. We've already mentioned Jaden Sancho incremental improvements, but he's still not he's still not there really. Marcus Rashford, mm. 
We don't know the exact story of how bad his injury is, but we'll see him as well before the end of the season. And while the injury seems to be, you know, going like this, doesn't it really? For you who are listening on audio, I'm kind of doing this waves and, you know, dips and this kind of thing. Roller coaster of uh, the amount of injuries that United have. But if they can get Garnacho and Rashford back in the next few weeks, then that will be an added bonus. Yeah, I'm quietly happy with Jaden Sancho's output at the moment. I think the the enforced extra minutes that he's having to play are good for him. So him playing 90 minutes against Forest, I think is a really good sign. And again, another big box tick. You're thinking, right, he can do the 90 now, which means you can develop his role. I think he is still a player who's kind of finding his role in a Ten Hag system and about what he's supposed to do. So I think on the other side, Anthony even though people might not be happy with his overall performance this season at times. I think he knows what he's supposed to do. I think he understands who he is, what he does, and his confidence shows that. And I think with Jaden, we're just seeing that creeping towards that confidence where he looks better on the ball, seems to know what he's doing. But as I said, I think two weeks ago, when, when we lost Marcus, I was saying Garnacho is the key here. Garnacho is the guy that can give you that kind of direct goal threat from the left and a different type of threat that both maybe say Anthony and Sancho can't or don't because he is just that kind of player. I don't think we're getting him back soon. Like I think it might be a little while of rehab still because it wasn't a particularly nice injury. He had to, I think he's going to have to work on it. I don't think we're going to see Marcus Scott for a month. I really think it's going to be an extended absence just because of the, the nature of that injury and what he needs to do to kind of get back. But I do think Garnacho is hugely important now because you think of that front three, we talked about United play more 4-3-3 and more possession-based football. Garnacho is a guy that can kind of push the envelope and get the ball to him. He can run at people. He can go on the outside in a way that maybe, say, Jaden can't. And we know that certainly Anthony can't. Well, it's not in the notes, but Anthony Martial is back. And I'm touching my desk, my wooden desk. Touch word. Several times. We've been saying... I've been saying this in different shows that I do... Man United have not had their first choice striker for the entire season. The months. entire season mm-hmm. for twelve for you know nine months or whatever it is. However long this season's been, they've not had him. We saw in preseason suggestions that this front three of Sancho before Anthony was signed, Sancho, Rashford, and and Martial could actually work. And obviously United have not had uh, Martial. They had the Ronaldo problem in the first half of the season. Yeah. Fitting him in, Marcus Rashford coming in. He's not naturally a centre forward. We know that Martial has this in the locker, and we've all wanted to see Martial under Eric Ten Hag. He's not, he scored against Everton, obviously, but he's against Sevilla. I know that the performance at the end really tailed off and United collapsed. Martial's brilliant. And also, Martial's contribution to the first goal at Forest, the, the press being played in by Bruno into that space. I know he didn't I know he didn't score, but it did lead to a goal because Anthony was following in. We are just it would soften the blow a little bit if Mar- if Martial can stay fit with the current front three that United have because they are scoring. I know they're still missing chances, but they are at least scoring goals. Yeah. They they they're creating, aren't they? They're getting there. Like this is what I mean, there is some kind of chemistry between these forward players. And that you you get that kind of sniff of it where you kind of think 
if this just clicks, this might carry you through to the end of the season and you might have a successful end to the campaign. Uh, I'm going to make a big kind of mad statement on the top of this. I might have made this mad statement once before. If Man United had had Martial fit for the whole season, he played every game, and say Casemiro hadn't got as suspended as he got for those eight matches, and say, you know, just by luck, Andy Carroll doesn't go and butcher Ericsson's leg in that moment, those three players, those three moments, I think United would be three to six points off the top two. That's what I think. I think I think that's kind of how narrow these margins are. When we talk about success and failure and how you work yourself week to week to week to week, I think Man United could look at the campaign and say, if just those three things have gone our way a little bit more, I think the Marshall one's a big one because fitness, like he's not played at all, is he? Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. But you see when Anthony Marshall's on a football pitch, Man United go from here, like mid-range, to here. And they do. They become a better team, more intelligent, more potent, more interesting to watch. You see it. You watch them and think, wow, look, they can do stuff. So, yes, can we keep him fit? I still think, Scott, you're going to have to manage him in a Varane type of way. You're going to have to maybe give him 60 minutes here and there. It was good to see that he did 60 minutes. You mentioned Sevilla. It was when he went off the football pitch, Man United got a lot worse. And that's through the whole of the spine of the team. So Martial had so much value. And I don't know, like, again, he's one of those guys that you might want to retain at the football club, but you know you're never you going to be able to. Him. You yeah. can't make him pay 70 games. And that's not it. You know, you can't make any player do that. But at the same time, there's other players like Bruno, who you can push towards 60 to 70 games and will get less impact injuries. Whereas Martial, you know that he'll, he'll have a run and his leg will fall off. And that's a problem. The uh, I don't think the priority will change. I think centre forward is still the main priority. We've done mm. enough Harry Kane content over the last few months, and like I say, we were one of the first <laughs> to not not the first people to say Man United Harry Kane because that's been going on for years and years. But this season, we said yeah. we flagged it as yeah. uh, I can't remember how early it was, but Harry Kane to Man United is going to be a thing, and it will come up. And if you can't, uh, Martial, and we said this in previous show a few weeks ago martial is on a giant deal so it's going to be difficult to maybe get rid of him but if you can have a fit martial as an understudy to harry kane that's different completely and, and you know with the harry kane thing like we, we will wait and see and we kind of know what we know so you know that this is a goer and we'll see what happens in the next few weeks um but i still think ollie watkins is a goer i really do i think i think when you look at what ollie watkins has done this year scored the same amount of goals as uh, as harlan this season post world cup I think you're looking at a player on the top of his trajectory. He's getting, he's going that way. Villa know it. Villa will obviously want to keep him. He's integral to that system. But if you want a forward that scores goals, that's uh, a fluid part of your attack, that presses, that does all those things really, really well, then there's a guy at home here in England that, that does do all those things. But of course, everyone will say awesome and everyone will say Kane. It's obvious why, you know, everyone wants those shirt sellers. But I still think someone like Ollie Watkins, we'll talk more about him in the weeks to come. If he ends his season well, Scott, and Villa end up, like Villa are knocking on the door of the Champions League. Like they're not far away. They're going to get towards Europe. He's going to be out there. Teams are going to want him. And I've been massively impressed with him. A bit like Declan Rice, you know, like said, I wasn't massively impressed with Declan Rice two, three, four years ago. And, and slowly but surely I've changed my mind after watching him. Watched a lot of Ollie Watkins this year. And I'm thinking, is he England's best striker after, after Kane? Like, I would say so at the moment, as the way it lies. Your problem with Ollie Watkins is he is in absolute peak at the moment. 
Yeah. Was he mid twenties? I don't know his exact age. Yeah. The the issue you have, Aston Villa are a rich club. Aston Villa could get in Europe. Aston Villa, if they're to sell him, will put 80 million on him. Honestly, yeah. they will put 80 to 90 million on him if they're to sell him. It sounds absolutely ridiculous, but Aston Villa are rich enough to say that. Of course they, they are. will not need to sell him. And then I think you get into that territory and I don't think it makes as much sense. But, you know. But and I think and again to kind of counter my own point, um, you know, he doesn't have the pedigree either. So like we've seen a good season from him this year, and it it, it smells a bit of the Lukaku's. You know what I mean? Like a couple of good years, puts the ball in the net, everyone's happy with him, comes to Man United, and then it's a problem. So th- there's no doubt that that Harry Kane is, I think, the pedigree choice out there. Then I think that maybe the hype choice is Osserman, and then maybe the the stay at home version would be Ollie Watkins. But I do think United, like you just said there, United are going to have to buy uh, uh, a centre forward, but they've also got other positions to buy for. And I don't think that there is a stone called priority. I think they're going to look at a more holistic build because I think that's all you can do. You need to get the right players at the right time. And sometimes those players don't come up. Harry Kane is going to be on the market in a few weeks' time. And we believe that Manchester United will be putting in a bid. It's like six weeks left of the season finished didn't it like let's hope we can let's hope we can nail Tottenham like that's for me this the rest of the season Scott is about Man United versus Tottenham that's the huge thing this next this weekend Newcastle versus Tottenham exactly and let's hopefully they beat each other and both get no points but that can't happen <laughs> so like th- this is the thing I think I think when you look at the Tottenham Hotspur match um, Tottenham's form is just kind of all over the place they can either be great they can be absolutely awful and you hope the awful version kind of turns up for the rest of the season. If Man United get fourth, like I said, we've had a really great season at Manchester United. If we get third, even better. But for me, it's about keeping Tottenham out of the picture. And that will mean beating them when we face them next time around. Well, United's run in the league is actually quite interesting because yeah. I, I was looking at it a few weeks ago and I was thinking, right, that's relatively simple. Now it is Spurs away, Aston Villa at Old Trafford. Three days later, four days yeah. later, and Aston Villa are in brilliant form. Then it's Brighton away, so they are three games that are really tough. The world's changed, Scott. Like football's changed. You, you like Brighton are now like a deadly team. Like who would have thought that not so long ago? They're better than they were with Potter. So they're, they're, I think the running is kind of there's complex elements to the running for Manchester United. It's not a hard running, and if you go and do your things well and don't get any more injuries, top four should be good. But there is, there's definitely banana skins. Like I said, Aston Villa. Like I don't want to turn up against Aston Villa and then Ollie Watkins score a hat-trick about us because then we'll be doing content about this guy might be the answer to Man United problems. But Villa have been brilliant this year. Like I, I, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a fan of Unai Emery. You know, Harry, who's our, uh, our producer, is an Arsenal fan. I don't think he is a, a massive fan of Emery, but I think he was all right with him. I think he, he kind of got a bad run at Arsenal. And, and I thought it was a really shrewd pickup. Uh, by Villa to kind of base their team around someone that does what he does, like especially what he did at Villarreal. So Villa uh, get in the Europa League next season, they could win it. You know th- that that's the kind of uh, that's the kind of part the, that they get into. With ex- exactly, and you said about wealth, and I I always think people overlook this. Aston Villa are one of the top five richest clubs in the UK in terms of cash flow. Yeah, they are very very rich. They have lots of money. Yeah, so they could go next year not do a Chelsea. But they could, in theory, if they get in, say, the Europa League this year, they could go and spend 200 million like that. 
and get better really Island quick. Forest can do it. <laughs> well, look, for, look, see, Forresting's mental. Is it like thirty-five new players, and you're just worse? You know, maybe you need to go and find your Unai Emery. Maybe that's what they needed to do. But Villa were like that, weren't they? When Villa under Steven Gerrard, not so great relegation candidates. You know, not particularly nice football to watch. Unai Emery just disciplined now. They know what they're doing. They work hard and they've got some really good players. And they will get better, won't they? So they will want to make a statement against Manchester United. That is a worrying game to come. Maybe that game will be harder for United than facing Harry Kane and Tottenham. Yeah, immediate uh, agenda, though. We'll wrap up on this quick word on the on the Sevilla game on Thursday. 2-2 from the first leg. United have never beat Sevilla. I don't, I, I don't know whether it's never, but I, yeah, it is never. Never beat Sevilla. They played them in Europe a number of times. Sevilla have knocked them out at Old Trafford of the Champions League. They've beaten them in the Europa League before. They're not doing yeah. well this season. They got really, you know, United gave them the result uh, on last Thursday. Is this, I know that United aren't at full strength, but I, I'm still expecting United to progress here. I don't know whether that's just me being blindly confident, but I'm still expecting them to actually correct this because that's kind of what United have been doing this season. Do you think they will be able to? And anything that worried you from the first leg that you think could come back to bite them this time? I expect them to progress, but I think maybe less than you do. So I think like you're kind of more confident. Actually, most people I've spoken to, especially the United side of the universe, have all been like, well, we'll go there and win. I'm not as confident as that. I think that you, you are the better team, so you should probably go and win. I think the big call on this, is that, Scott, is that the players absolutely know they dropped the ball in that first leg. They should have won the game three or four nil. And we're not talking about it in this way, is it? And that is the difference. This Sevilla team, yeah, who've got incredible history in Europa League, best Europa League team of all time, well done you. They're awful this year. They're not a good team this season. So they've fallen much, you know, from where they were last year as a Champions League club uh, and, and competing at the top in the table. They were second in, in Spain last year for a long period of time before they collapsed. This year, they're not very good. So go there and do the job. I think the thing is for me, Scott, is that it's just about what 11 you can put out on the pitch. And that's really all it comes down to. So if Delo is firing and playing there and you can get Malasia out of the team, great. If Luke Shaw is fit, that might mean you can take Harry Maguire out the firing line because you play Luke left, uh, uh, Lindelof right. Keep Aaron Wambasaka on the right-hand side. So that's all it really is. Do you know what I mean? Keep Bruno closer to the box. Maybe play Martial 65, 70 minutes in Seville. I'm sure he's got something to prove at his former loan club. So it, there's lots of narratives there. But I think United, if they put their best team on a football pitch, then they should be able to get a clean sheet and maybe a one or two goals. And therefore, you're through to the semis. This the game of this difficulty. There's a, I think there was a game that Michael Carrick managed at Villarreal mm. uh, when he was in charge in his three games. And I think United weren't great then, but I think in terms of elements of difficulty, it just reminds me of that for some reason. But you know, Sevilla 13th in La Liga, mm. they've not had a good season, they've been worse than they are. You know, I don't think Eric Ten Hag will prioritise the FA Cup. Let's just say that. I don't think Eric Ten Hag will prioritise the FA Cup over this game. 
I think he's going to go full strength. I think he wants to win this competition. I think he wants to win every single game. Yeah. And it's just about which games United drop the ball in, which ones they don't. <laughs> totally. And, and and it's about us, isn't it? Like, it's about looking in the mirror and feeling good at what you see. And if you feel good about it, then you take your confidence into football matches. I think with United, what we have is kind of like five good games, one bad game. And it's like a staccato effect. And you're a bit like, oh, you know, we fall down again for a little while. But look, you're, you've, your squad is still healthy enough to go and get this job done. And if you can keep Martial fit, if you can get Ericsson on a football pitch, make sure Casemiro stays as well. Still diving into tackles. Stop yeah, it, Casemiro. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's literally, literally no need for it. You are going to get a red card if you just slip at the wrong angle. These football pitches are wet at the moment. You've got to be careful. I don't know why he's diving in. It's kind of stupid. But we can't lose him. And it's just about that, isn't it? Keep the core together. And then, you know, hopefully David De Gea will save you in those vital moments when he needs to. Yes, indeed. That's it for us today. Any final thoughts, Rob, before we go? No, let's look. The interesting programme to come, isn't it? Like, the games come thick and fast now, and we're at the business end. This is it now. You've got to win football matches. No more excuses. Can't talk about injuries. Can't talk about selections. This is where you need to go and impose yourself. When you play Tottenham Hotspur, Scott, go and finish them. Put their season to bed. And that will help you in your kind of end of your campaign. So, yeah, I'd like to win one of these uh, final cup competitions. I'm not going to say I don't want to, but I'm not as like, you know, if you don't win at Sevilla, nah, fine. It's fewer just, games, I guess. You just, know. It's another game gone. And, and we are so near the end of the campaign now. And we are very, very, very close to saying that we've had a successful season. Subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods. YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Google podcasts all of these different audio places and youtube as well obviously as i just mentioned subscribe head over to the channel like the video leave a comment for us as well and we'll try our very best to uh go back and mention some of you who are leaving comments and answering your questions in future shows as well you can follow us on twitter as well at underscore scott saunders at underscore rob underscore b and at promise and mu for the show we will be back after the Sevilla game on Friday to dissect what's happened there, look ahead to the Brighton game and anything else that's on the agenda for Manchester United at the moment. Rob, thanks very much for another show. We'll see you soon, everyone. This has been The Promised Land. Until next time. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.